If that's a happy song, any way you look at it. And join me there in Isaiah 40, if you will. No, it's not a rerun of this morning. I want to speak to you this evening on the subject, have you heard and do you know? Have you heard and do you know? Uh, this great chapter, in which this morning we read the beginning portion. Yes, sir? It's not gossip, is it? No, it's not gossip. There you go. <laughs> this chapter, uh, this morning we, we had uh, we read together the first part, and then uh, message brought, and then reading the last part tonight. This chapter that begins with the words, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, and ends with the verses that Brother Carpenter just read, and familiar verses to many of you there, has at its center a lot of very strong statements and uh, reminders that remind us why God is our comfort and God is our strength, which is the emphasis we'll see here in these last verses. God looking through those, if you look in Isaiah 40 and some of the verses, here are some of the reasons that God is our comfort and that God is our strength. Look in verse 12. It says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. One reason, because He's greater than His creation. As we were out on the uh, Lake Erie on the boat on Saturday afternoon, in the middle of a rainstorm, and uh, they were giving the guide, and they are trying to give us to understand how much water is in the Great Lakes. It's, it's like one-fifth of all the fresh water in the world is in those Great Lakes. They said if you were to take the contents of the Great Lakes and somehow put them out over the lower 48 states, the rest of them, it would cover the landmass to nine feet of water over the entire thing. And uh, then they gave a number of how many quadrillion gallons of water there are in the Great Lakes. Um, I computed what they were saying. It was, it was like, I think, nine with 15 zeros. And quickly, and just a little bit of a mathematical background, I thought, that's a lot. <laughs> and... <laughs> It, uh, uh, it's magnificent and, and uh, as, as you think about and, and you run quickly into sizes, measurements, uh, which the mind can't fully take in or comprehend. Uh, one reason why God's our comfort, one reason why God's our strength is because He's greater than His creation. And as, as magnificent as His creation is and as wonderful as what He has made is, God is beyond that. Uh, the, the, the technical theological term for that is God transcendent. And what that means is God is not the sum of all His creation. Some people say, well, you know, you have all the things we see and then all the forces involved in that and that's God. No, it's not. God's before all that. God's after all that. God's greater than all that. Um, I've written many pages of things this last week and uh, it would be as more erroneous 
to say about God that He is the sum of His creation than it would be to say you could take even all the, all the files you can find in this church, which is files and files and files and files uh, of things I've written, um, and say, well, that summarizes Pastor Manning. Now, that just gives you some of my teachings, what I've written. And God is so far beyond His creation, above it, that at any point in time where when it does not militate against His revealed nature, He may change it, like walking out on water, speaking to the wind and waves and making them stop, making the sun stand still. Which To do that, you, you shut down the whole operation of the cosmos for that to be accomplished. Have the earth open and swallow people. Have the Red Sea stand up and congeal and the ground be dry enough to go through. God is beyond His creation. Another thing, why God's our comfort and why God is our strength is in uh, verses 13 and 14. Look at those. It says there, who hath, di- who hath directed, it's a question, who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or being His counselor hath taught Him. With whom took He counsel? And who instructed Him? And taught Him in the path of judgment? And taught Him knowledge? And showed to Him the way of understanding? Um, he's, he's greater than His creation. Then He is complete, magnificent, and majestic in His knowledge and understanding. Every one of us in this room, and every human, has to be taught. And we can learn. I'm not going to say every human does learn. Well, they learn after a fashion. But I won't get into that. But, but uh, can and should learn. But God's never been taught by another. And so He's complete in that. He's, he's our comfort. He's our strength because of that. I, I love these. Look in uh, verse 15. Why is God our comfort? Why is our strength? Have you heard? No, it's not gossip. Do you know? Look in verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Look in verse 17. All nations before him are as nothing and they are counted to him less than nothing. And vanity. I don't know exactly how less than nothing fits on the scale, but that's low. Look in verse 23. That bringeth the princes to nothing, he maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Not only is he greater than his creation, not only is he completely magnificent and majestic in his knowledge and understanding, but he's far above the squabbles and the intrigues of nations and peoples of this earth. They've always got it going on, don't they? And uh, there's always this going on and that going on and this big thing going on and that big thing going on. And God's above all of it. Um, he, uh, he steps in. He gets involved when, when he should and when, when he is determined it's best to, but he's above all of that. And uh, thank God for it. That's a comfort. He's not, he's not pulled into that. I point out to you what I recently preached about when, when Joshua saw the man, it appeared to be a man to him, standing there with a drawn sword over against Jericho, Joshua approaches him and said, are you for us or for our enemies? And the answer was, no. 
He says, nay, I'm come as the captain of the host of the Lord. He said, no, I'm not either. I'm above that. And so God is. Thank God for that. I'm glad uh, with that. Then look in verse 16. It says, Lebanon is not sufficient to burn. By the way, that was a place that uh, was replete in, in cedar trees and had, uh, had a lot of woodland to it at one time. And it said, Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. I put this down. Not only is he greater than his creation, not only is he magnificent, majestic, and complete in his understanding, not only is he above the squabbles and intrigues of the world, but he's worthy of more worship than we can give. He's worthy of more worship than we even have the capacity to give. I love that. Look in verse 19. The workman meldeth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation, he can't even bring an offering because he's so poor, chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Then look down at verse 24. It goes on and talks more about that. He says, Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. Um, <laughs> he makes plain the folly of all idols. Why is God our comfort? He shows us what idols are. Whether that idol be oneself, one's children, or another false god that's been mentioned, or possession, or pleasure. God shows the foolishness of idols. And it shows His comfort and His strength. And then, <laughs> boil it all down, look at verse 18. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto Him? Look on down to verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? So the question is posed in verse 18, given through the prophet. He says, who's like God? Who are you going to compare God with? And God actually speaks in the narrative down verse 25 and says, who's like me? Who's like me? So I put this down. There's no one else like him. <laughs> There's no one else like God. You're talking about God. And uh, so all these reasons, he's a comfort. And all these reasons, he's a strength. But all this brings us back to the question that I asked at the beginning and then the question that is, is asked if you'll look actually down in verse 28. And that question in verse 28 is the basis for the message, basis for the title, which is, have you, have you heard and have you known? Look how it's phrased in the Bible. Puts it in the other order. Verse 28, hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? It asks that question. And what God wants you to have tonight from the Word of God, He wants you to hear and He wants you to know. There's some things God wants you, every person here, He wants you to know some things. He wants you to hear those things. And it's important that you do. Some people have never heard. Now I'm going to tell you something, and it'll sound a little bit carnal as I tell you this. But that's okay, it is. Um, 
But it's the reality of what happened. Long, long time before I got saved, about three years before I got saved, which is a long time when you're only 12 years old. That's a quarter of your life, okay? And uh, one, of, one of our little ones in church the other day, one of, about that big, said to me, you remember back when I was little? <laughs> and I said, well, they were. They remember back when they were little. Um, I was about 12 years old, and a movie came out called Chariots of Fire. Right? Chariots of Fire. And uh, most of you know the song titles from that. Yeah, and all that stuff. I won't play it for you with my mouth harp here. Um, the actually parts of it on the piano. But the it, it, Chariots of Fire came out. And of course, it was, uh, it was about Olympic runners. And especially Eric Little, who went on in true life. He went on to become a missionary and was killed in the Boxer Rebellion in China as a missionary. And, and him, and then there was another fella. Uh, they were kind of... Uh, they... Uh, they, they were on the same team, but there was a competition between them. And uh, Eric Little would not race in the Olympics on Sunday because he had a conviction against doing that on the Lord's Day. And, and uh, when he did that, they moved him from his race, which was a shorter sprint, to uh, it was either 440 or 80. Maybe you'd remember that better than me. And he ended up winning with that. And uh, anyway, in that movie, it's not a, you know, a review of a movie here, but... In that movie, I'm watching that thing first time. That came on, Chariots of Fire, all impressive. You had that great song, Titles, which is what you usually know as the Chariots of Fire song. It's the name of its titles. And uh, it's, that thing sounds awesome on a pipe organ. We have to get a pipe organ here. Let Brother Steve play that for us sometime. That's a powerful song. But it, uh, um, in that, Eric Little's standing up behind the pulpit in the movie. Now, you understand, I'm a 12-year-old kid. I don't go to church. I'm not being exposed to the Bible. He said, well, you went to church in Kentucky one time a year. That's right. I wasn't exposed to the Bible. And it was, he got up and he read in a very clear tone in the movie, and that was the top movie of its year, won all kinds of Academy Awards and stuff. He read clearly this passage from Isaiah. The passage which you read tonight. And uh, I was sitting there watching this movie as an unsaved kid and I cannot describe to you the power I felt in these words. It mesmerized me. It, there was an appetite for it. And I thought, what is that? It was simply the most majestic thing I had ever heard. And I've always been drawn towards language and and um, the use of it and, and, and well-ordered words. And I liked books even as a young man that, was, that were well-written and such. But this wasn't like anything I'd heard. And what it was, he got, he got up. I still remember how it looked. I remember how it sounded. And he read this, read that powerful, powerful words. But I hadn't heard before. Some have never heard. And as I tried to encourage you from the Scripture this morning... You and I can be the means of helping God come to them and helping them come to God. As it says at the beginning of the chapter, we can be involved in that. Some have never heard. They don't hate God. They've never heard. They don't have a chip on their shoulder when it comes to something about God or religion or church or anything else. They just haven't heard clearly. Some have never heard. And then, some have heard but they've never known. They've heard it. They've heard it. But they won't know it. 
Those of you who were raised, are raised up in our church. It's a great privilege. I'm glad for you with it. I'm honored to be your pastor. Those who for many years have been in our church. Here's what you're going to have to guard against. You're going to have to guard against trying to live your life on borrowed religion. You need to know. You need to know. Some have not heard. Some have not heard or have not known. What is it we're supposed to know? What is it we're supposed to hear? So that we can dwell in the comfort and strength God's given. Let's look and let the verses answer that. Look in verse 28. Hast thou not known? So this question goes out. Hast thou not heard? What? What is it? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of His understanding. First, I say that the prophet, in obedience to the Spirit of God, gives this out as a threefold picture of God with it. Look how, how it's put forth. Look how he says, do you know this? Hey, Lighthouse, do you know this? Have you heard this? The God's everlasting God. Look what it says in order. The everlasting God. Um, he's changeless. He doesn't just endure forever. Though he does. But he's changeless. He has as much energy. He has as much vitality. as what he had before he created this world. And uh, he doesn't change. <laughs> the Bible says in the book of James, every good gift, every good, perfect gift coming down from the Father of lights. In whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us by the word of truth. And so he is the one, he doesn't change with it. I love the passage in Revelation that he that sat upon the throne saith, Behold, I make all things new. It's a linear term. It isn't the idea of I make all things new and then they run down from there. And we all know what that's like. You get a new car, even if it's just new to you. Keep it real clean, real good. Try to keep up with it. You get new shoes, you don't want anything, get down. But after time, everything decays and wears out. After time, everything wears down that we have. But the, the, the idea and the way it's written, when the Lord on His throne in heaven says, Behold, I make all things new. That's continually new. Continually. All the time new. And uh, only God can do that. I'm glad He does that. So here's what we need to know. Here's what we need to hear. That God is the everlasting God. You know, if we really get a hold of the fact God doesn't change, we won't go trying to change around our fundamental beliefs. We won't go trying to reinvent church because our God is an everlasting God and He's deserving of worship and praise and godly living and loving Him and obedience to Him. and All these things stay the same. Then, look what it says there, the next thing, the everlasting God, the Lord. I love that term. He's actively the administrator or the ruler of things. I like the Bible, the Bible says there are the same Lord, but different administrations. I like the way those are put together. It kind of tells you what Lord is. It's His active involvement in the functioning of things. God is actively involved. Boy, Nebuchadnezzar found that out, didn't he? And through Him, the whole world found out. I bet you all right. You look like you're in a coma right here. Are you back with me now? 
Amen. Do you know anything I just said? I didn't think so. Uh, this is good preaching. I'll just zone into it. Amen. Uh, where'd you go? You don't know? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody with that exact look in their eyes unless they were just starting to go under under anesthesia. <laughs> you all right now? You going to be good? Uh, awesome, buddy. I'm glad you're back with us for the moment anyway. I was just worried about you. I thought you'd left and you might forget to come back for your body. Um, <laughs> but the, the different administration of the Lord, even though there are many different things that God does functionally, and when Daniel found out that he was the prophet through whom it was spoken that it would happen, when Nebuchadnezzar found out, through him the whole world found out, that the Lord God ruleth in the kingdom of men actively. Give it to whomsoever he will. God does that. By the way, setteth up over at the basis of men. In other words, a nation will, God deals with the nation through leaders it gives them. And God's purpose is going to be accomplished. And about you all, I want to be a part of it. I am a zero-point Calvinist. I do not believe that one of the five basic tenets of Calvinism, I don't believe one of them is correct. I'm a zero-point Calvinist. I have no tulips in my garden. None. But I do know enough Bible to know that the purposes of God will be accomplished. We get to choose whether we're a part of it or we miss out on it, or we're antagonistic towards it. And so God's going to, God's going, God's purpose is going to be accomplished. So He's the Lord. But wait a minute. He's not only everlasting God, and He is the Lord, but look what it says. And I love the way it's phrased. I'd never noticed this before. Maybe probably some of you have when you've read through, but I found it helpful to me. It says the Creator... And in my mind, tend to just take that in and grab that just as phrase, but it's preposition. This is linked together. The creator of the ends of the earth. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He's the completer to the ends of the earth. He's completer, but that's not all. He's the setter of limitations and boundaries. And there's a lot into that. I can't even develop, but God designs limitations. No person in this room can go from now on indefinitely and not sleep. Some of you can't go through this message. (laughs) But nobody here can. You will physically, you will die. At some point, your body will die from sleep deprivation. It will kill you. And it's kind of funny. You talk about very cruel, I mean, very cruel tests. They've done that with animals. Think of one particular dog who said they kept it away and finally just died. That's, you know, that's, that's pretty cruel testing. Let's see what happens if you never let it sleep or it dies. Um, what a way to go. But what was amazing, and I understand humans are not dogs, dogs are not humans, but still, it was amazing when the autopsy was done on that particular dog, 
they could not exactly pinpoint what killed it. It wasn't like it had had a stroke or it had had evidence of cardiac failure. It died. And uh, we have limitations. And our Creator made it such that we have limitations. Do you realize, if nothing else, that absolute necessity of sleep at some point forces us in life to realize we're not in control? At some point, we can no longer keep a watchful eye on the world just to make sure things are okay. It's startling enough when we wake up, it's still there. And if not, what's the difference anyway? Um, but we have limitations of strength. We have limitations of knowledge. We have limitations of perception. I mentioned the... Uh, we were looking again at that Fresnel lens and the lighthouse and the fellow had lasers and we were having a good time with that. And he was talking to the group about light outside human uh, ability to perceive infrared on the low end, ultraviolet on the upper end, and even beyond that. We can measure their effects, but you can't pick them up with your eyes. And um, God puts a limitation on us. That's not cruelty, that's, that's mercy. Isn't it well that we realize we do have limitations since we really are not God? <laughs> and those limitations, I'm not talking about self-imposed because of neglect, abuse, or that sort of thing, but I'm talking about the limitations which are there. We can also accept them as... as they are the hand of a sovereign God guiding us in decision making. Financial ruin often comes from artificial means of blowing past the limitations. And all kinds of names for it, leveraging different things. And oftentimes financial ruin comes, not always. But oftentimes it comes because of people blowing past what should be boundaries that say, no, now's not the time. <laughs> no, you're not positioned for this. No, that's outside of your realm. But our want to exceeds our wisdom and we end up in trouble. God is the creator of the ends of the earth. He sets boundaries. He puts boundaries on peoples. I'm not misusing the word. I'm talking groups of peoples, people groups. He puts boundaries. Do you know he puts boundaries on the ocean? I'm glad. If the Great Lakes could inundate our entire country that much, imagine if that sea came loose on us. Or even more so if the water that's actually under all this came loose. And then you really want to add to it, do as we just read in our psalm about the waters that are above the heavens, praising God. And by the way, I remember several years ago when they said, oh look, there's a big body of water out here above everything. Huh, who knew that but a 400-year-old book? <laughs> and if you ever break up what's underneath the mantle, and you ever brought down what's on top, 
He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He's the completer. He's the setter of limitations and boundaries. And within those limitations and boundaries, there's actual freedom. Because those help us to know what we are and who we are and, and, and helps us number our days. Not to look mournfully and melancholy at life and say, well, if I make it to this age, I've got this many days, this many hours, this many minutes. Oh man, I just lost five of them figuring this out. Um, not being morose about it, but what it leads to, if it comes to a proper, healthy way of thinking in the Scripture, you, you value each day. You look at each thing and you say, this is a wonderful thing. It's a great thing to be able to be out and about today. You know? Just, it, it's a wonderful thing. I was given advice by two folks, very much my elder today. Two different people said to me, and I'm not going into the particular of either, but in so many words, they said, Brother Manning, enjoy what you have today. Express gratitude and love to the people you care about today because today's all you know you have. And use it to the fullest. That is tremendous advice. Very scriptural. And however many days you have, that makes them the best that they can be. I do love the statement that Abraham Lincoln said. He said, it's not the number of the days in the life, but the amount of life in the days. And may we use it for God's honor. So with that, but look what else happens here. Looking at, do you know? Have you heard? Let's look at the rest of what it says. Because of these things, because of God being all these things, it says that God the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. I put this little statement down, just putting it in my understanding for me to catch hold of it. Um, God's never lacking in power, and God is never overwhelmed. You ever been overwhelmed or you feel like the smallest thing is too much of a burden? The Bible even speaks of a time when our health starts to diminish, and it says the grasshopper becomes a burden. It's not talking there about a plague time. It's talking about the smallest thing is too much. <laughs> and of course, we, we all would understand, you ever got to that thing where something's brought up or mentioned and you just kind of overreact to it? And you go, what in the world? It wasn't that big a deal. No, it wasn't. It was the 42 that went before it. Okay? <laughs> and maybe you've heard that term, the straw that broke the camel's back. Have you ever heard that? Right. Um, sometimes it's a whole bale. It's not just one straw. God's never overwhelmed. Do you know when we get overwhelmed physically, mentally, emotionally, we, we, we make poor decisions? Or at least have a really high possibility of doing it. Generally do. We uh, tend to, it's according to the personality, go aggressive or just shut down. Um... We tend to miss blessings and center on negative. We, we tend to uh, not be effective. We'll find ourselves making errors. Haven't you ever been working on something and say, man, I need to quit for a while. I'm just, I'm just messing up, man. I did like three goofy things in a row one day this week. And, and, and one of them happened in the restaurant. And, and I was laughing. One of the girls at the restaurant said, I said something. They said, pastor, is that what? And I said, no, I messed that up. And I, I, I told her, I said, look, I said, I'm going to stop and I'm going to be like one of these annoying old people. I'm going to stop at every intersection and go like this. 
because I seem to be missing obvious things. In fact, going down 33, if my light's green, I'm going to stop. You know, I'm going to get rear-ended. Um, but we tend to make poor decisions. We tend to do harmful things to relationships. Uh, we, we, we make decisions that don't match what our values are and what we think. All these things happen when we get overwhelmed. We aren't hitting right with it. We're, we're overly fatigued. We're not doing it right. God's never been that way. And we get that way, but God doesn't. And to me, that brings a lot of comfort. And it's something we need to know that when we are that way, our God isn't that way. And sometimes when you don't even feel like you are in contact with Him so much, you can trust the fact that He's, he's alright. God never gets that way. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. And I'm thinking of a Christian person telling me one time that I'd, I'd encouraged him to take some things to the Lord. And by that, I was very specific what I meant. There's a vague way of saying that that I'm not real fond of. But I was being very specific about how to do that and, and what, how that could be helpful in their life. And, and they said, well, I, I don't want to burden God with those little things. And as I laughed, I think they realized that what they just said. <laughs> I don't want to wear out God. I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be all right. And so God's, God's never out of power. You ever had that day? You just no power at all? Perhaps you're a person and there are folks who are this way and it doesn't mean they're ungodly people or unspiritual people. You just need to know it about yourself. One day, you know, you feel like you can tackle the world, run 120 miles an hour, and the next day you just don't even want to move at all. Um, and... Uh, and that's been consistent in your life. There is a way through the Word of God and a consistent walk with God. You can stabilize some, but you'll always have a tendency towards that. Uh, that's fine. Do you know not every song of each bird is the same? There's a song that's very bright and cheery, and there's others. You have the, the, the dove has a, somewhat of a mournful song, but it's a song unto the Lord, and it's one He created. And oftentimes within the same person, You'll have, you'll have the cheery song and you'll have the mournful song and it'll come back and forth. You can serve God and it may be uh, that God will give you a special ministry into those who live in both those realms. Uh, have you ever met somebody who's so happy-go-lucky they annoy you? Have you ever done that? And they're really that way. And you're like, they're very blissful. I don't know if they're that ignorant or if they're just that happy. Have you ever met somebody who can find a cloud for every silver lining? They're down no matter what, you know. God doesn't desire for us to be fully either of those, but just because you may struggle between those two things does not mean you can't be a useful instrument. Because in each of those seasons, there, there was a beauty in the storm out on the lake yesterday. And there's a beauty with the sunshine today. God has a magnificence He wants to show through every different season of life to the one who is willing to be a vessel for Him to show Himself. And God will help you with that if you want it. These are just really neat things in here. I like it. Then it goes down in verse, into verse 28. It says there's no searching of His understanding. In other words, you'll never come to the end of it. And, and that, I love that word understanding because he, not, he doesn't just know the facts. He knows how it fits together. And by the way, God doesn't, he never, never faces an unintended consequence. 
You know that thing that you do and all of a sudden down, a few steps down, you go, oh, I didn't see that coming. God sees it coming. He's never caught off guard with that. When we build our house, and of course, Brother Larry, uh, a big part of us building our house and we hired the services for part of it. And we got a different kitchen cabinet. We customized things. And the way the Lord blessed, we were able to do that throughout as we built. And my wife went in the cabinet, which was a good choice, a little wider cabinet at the end of the kitchen and because we're the microwave, it made stuff like it made good sense. So we got that cabinet. A little different package. Put it in there. We are then building the stairway that goes up to our second floor. And Brother Larry's like, it doesn't fit. So I mean, it doesn't fit. And he's got the drawings and all that. And we're looking. And you can't, we want a 3 0 door, three foot door coming in the front so you can actually get things in and out. It's a good thing to make sure you have. Ability to actually get furniture in your house once you build it. And, and so the door couldn't open because of the last step. And you don't want to do a shorter tread on your last step. You're asking for people to wipe out on that. And out where we live, it's non zoned, so we don't have anybody inspecting. That's not the issue. It just, it's, it's hazardous to change either your height or your tread and have it not even. And we're sitting here, and I still remember him sitting there scratching his head. In fact, he looked so perplexed, I was tempted to reach over and scratch it with him. But he, he was sitting there and scratching his head saying, how did this happen? And finally, he looked up, and he said, it's because of the cabinet. So I'm sitting here, and I'm like, he's been out in the sun too long. <laughs> If you know Brother Larry, he always has a scar on his head from slamming into something. I don't want too many impacts. But what happened was, the way our house is set up, you have the center wall in that, dividing living room and kitchen and dining room area. When we moved the cabinet, it moved the door that moved the center line, that moved where the stairs start, that moved it here and blocked the door. Our three or four inch wider cabinet made our front door not be able to go in right. We eventually got it fixed, but man, did it take some doing. Now, someone who's thinking further ahead, certainly than me, because I didn't really know to look for that, and Brother Larry was, might have seen that ahead of time and said, oh, don't move that because you're going to affect this if you're going to. But how many times in life do we do something over here and it's like, that that went over here? Do you know God never does that? There's no searching of His understanding. Let's finish out here. Look at this. He giveth power to the faint. So while they are in that weakened condition, He gives power to them. And to them that have how much might? No might. They don't have anything to add to the game. What are you bringing to the game? What are you bringing to the table? Nothing in this case. And them that have no might, he increaseth strength. I love that. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. 
And boy, if we're ever in a time in our nation where that's happening. Um, a lot of different reasons for it. Some of it's lack of wisdom among adults who bring their children into a knowledge level that children should not be at. Or to bring our kids in on all the family decisions. You're making, you're making an error. There's a time for that as they grow, but you're making an error when they're young. You, you, uh, uh, they, they need the security where they can just be a kid. They don't need every second of their day planned. They don't need to be constantly running. They don't, they don't need to, to be in you know, family council on every decision. They need to be uh, thought of. They need to be dealt with respectfully. They need to be children. They need to be able to have childhood. Some of you never had were afforded a childhood. If you have any influence in someone as a child, afford them. That is something that you didn't have that they would benefit from. Time and just okay, mom, dad, whoever, they 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 got they're not even worried about it. Why? Because we are being big grown up adults. And take care of things without whining around in front of them and everything else. Just give them some security. And help them. Let them make their decisions. Let, help them to learn how to make decisions at their level as they come up. So that you're not raising 16, 18, 20 year old babies. Every young man in here, 15, 16 years old, if you had to, you should be able to make it on your own. Preacher, I'm not equipped for that. Okay, if you're not, then it should become your heart's desire to learn how to. To take care of yourself. To make your way in this world. Preacher, isn't that a bit harsh? No! And you mark my words, it's going to be put to the test eventually here. We're not trying to raise children to be children. We're trying to raise them to be adults who can function well in the lives that God gave them in the way that God directs them. The youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But in the midst of all that, isn't this a fabulous passage? But they that wait upon the Lord, giving your continual attention to Him, operating in His timing, even finding out that sometimes learning to be still is a Christian discipline. Just like learning to be godly. Learning to be prayerful. Be still. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Aren't you glad your strength is a renewable resource? You ever said, I'm just worn out. They used to say down home, I'm plum tuckered. How many ever heard that? I'm plum tuckered, amen? Plum tuckered out. It's amazing how many plum tuckered out people would never did anything to get plum tuckered, but they are. <laughs> they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It is a renewable resource and God can strengthen you again. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. That's awesome. We've got some hawks that live around here. They came over. We were outside the other day. That one was screaming as it came over. Man, was it up there. It had some serious altitude. It was just screaming as it came across. And then they were pirouetting up in the sky and circling down over here. 
And uh, that's amazing. That's a hawk. Man, the eagles, they get up there. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. The winds that many find as a crippling adversity can lift them to new heights. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not do what? Not faint. Why? Because their strength's been renewed by God. Hey, have you, have you known this? Have you heard this? Is this something you've heard? Well, then is it something you know? God wants you to hear it. Then God wants you to know it. So it's a practical living relationship. Let me pray with you tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for this magnificent portion of Scripture. And God, may it help your people and accomplish the purpose whereto you have sent it. Bless this invitation. May our attention and our heart and our love be on you. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. And come this evening. Let's begin to play as she does. You'd come tonight. And uh, they that wait upon the Lord. Now's a good time to start. To be renewed by Him.